Welcome to Right Way Politics with Brian Kerwin. We do politics the right way, the winning way, and we leave the left way behind. Pretty good week in politics. I did see a few things that totally ticked me off and a few things that surprised me. So we're going to touch on all of that today. And we're going to start off with the Washington Examiner. I usually do not have a lot of problems with what the Washington Examiner writes. Byron York, chief political correspondent, this is one of those cases where you can get the headline correct, but the story wrong. And it's something that's always bugged me. It's bugged me about the media, and it's bugged me about political pundits. And if you just read their coverage, you miss the story. Didn't used to be that way. It used to be you could pretty much rely, especially on political reporting. You'd get spin, but they wouldn't get the story so completely wrong that it almost made it worthless to read the article. And that's what we have to do with this one. But it, but I love this title. Biden is dr still dragging his party down. Absolutely. There's no way you can look at any numbers nationwide and not come up with that idea. But listen to what it says. Quote, it's true that so-called generic ballot polling has moved a few points in the Democrats' direction. Drives me nuts. And they cite real clear politics. The average of polls that the Republican Party has led in the generic ballot question since late last year, but now the Democrats have been catching up. Let's go to the actual source, Real Clear Politics. And it's true, if you average all the polls, even in the last couple of weeks, you have a tie. You have one poll with Republicans up by five, another poll with the Republicans up by five, another poll with Democrats up by four, and another poll with Democrats up by six. These are four polls all done in the last week. So that means a tie, right? Wrong, wrong, wrong. Because the two polls that show Republicans plus five are of likely voters, and the two polls that show the Democrats ahead by an equal amount, four and six, basically five, that's a poll of registered voters. They're polling people that aren't even going to vote. And that's how they come out with, hey, look, the Democrats are coming back. No, this is just an influx of polls polling registered voters. Whereas if you poll likely voters, it's a 10-point swing in the Republicans' favor. But if you read the Washington Examiner, Wow, it looks like the Democrats are on the big comeback. No, they're not on the big comeback. They're right where they always were. When you poll registered voters, you get a bunch of people who respond to pollsters saying they support Democrats, but they never vote. When you poll people that actually go to the polls, what a shock. Republicans win. You got to look at the, the source. You just can't count on somebody with a title at a newspaper or a news organization or even a website and say, well, gosh, I guess this is even. How can you come out of this and say Republicans and Democrats are virtually even when there's 10 points difference between likely voters and, re and registered voters? What you should say is if they poll people who are actually going to vote, Republicans are up by five nationwide. That's the flat honest truth, and I don't understand why anybody doesn't see that. And you see this when you go to other 
races. There's some polling for the race between Dixon and Whitmer for governor of Michigan. Whitmer won by over eight points four years ago. If you polled in January, Whitmer's up by 19. If you polled in May or June, Whitmer was up by 37 points. If you polled in July, Whitmer was up by 11. If you poll in August and you poll likely voters, Whitmer's only up by five. You poll registered voters and you get a Whitmer with a 37-point lead. Two months later, you poll only likely voters and you get a five-point race. You have to look at these polls for more than just the top lines. You can't just take a bunch of different polls and average them together and say, well, you know, it'll all come out in the wash. What I usually do is if I see a poll that's registered voters, delete, 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 gone. Don't even look at it. Look at it and laugh. It tells you nothing. If a pollster has no idea who the likely voter is and has no kind of modeling for what the likely voter is, and all they're doing is calling off of a registered voter list, it's a garbage poll. Likely voters, you get the likely voter model wrong and you're in trouble. But if you're a decent pollster and these are all reputable organizations, they don't go into likely voters unless they're actually likely voters. And it's ticking me off that now that we're getting into the nitty gritty, we're into August, we're going into the fall, and it's ticking me off. And now you're starting to see a mix between registered voters and likely voters. And I can't stress enough, you can't blend the two and think you have what's going on. And you can't trust, apparently, media like the Washington Examiner to tell you the real story about polling. Because just going to the real clear politics average, which treats every poll as equally valid and just say, well, this is the, this is the RCP average, lazy reporting. And I don't even know why real clear politics even has registered voter polls on their site at all. It's a mess. We can go to job approval and, uh, things have been kind of, uh, steady since the last time we talked. Biden's disapproval is around 56%. The latest, the worst, uh, the worst that we've seen, we've seen him from 51 to 57 in the latest polls in August and coming in from the last two weeks. And that's pretty much his, uh, his low watermark. In July, he hit as low as 60% disapproval. Now it's pretty much a 15-point a spread, which is roughly where he was at the beginning of this month, roughly better than he was in July. It's not moving, folks. It's not. It, it, if anybody wants to read these numbers and say Biden's on the rebound, I don't see it. The only thing that I, the only thing, the only analysis I can tell you is when the gas prices stopped rising, it stopped his bleeding because he was on the, he was crashing. He was crashing when, when people were running stories that $5 gasoline is just the start. It's on its way to seven. I think he's, his approval was headed down to the low 30s. It did get into the 30s for a while, but now it's kind of hovering around 40. And uh, I just don't see any potential for a rebound coming up this uh, this fall. When we get closer to the fall, we're going to look at some of these House races. We're definitely going to look at these Senate races. 
I still hold to my over and under 50 seats in the House pickup for the Republicans. And I think the high water mark for the Republicans in the Senate is picking up three seats. I just um, loving to see if they get over three. I just don't see it yet. And three may even be a stretch. But that's the pickup that I see so far. I also want to give some kudos. I don't do this very often, but I thought it was kind of funny. Kudos to a Democrat this time. Don McEachin, Virginia congressman. This kind of made me laugh. Now, he's in a he's in a district that's very safe for Democrats. And he's running against a Republican, Leon Benjamin. Navy vet, pastor, good guy. But uh, this is a rematch, apparently. He challenged McEachin in 2020 and he lost 62 to 38 and that's where the problem starts because uh <laughs> how does don mckeechan avoid debating this opponent that he crushed two years ago and will likely crush again don mckeechan says he will not debate his opponent until his opponent acknowledges that democrats won his race and the 2020 presidential race <laughs> until he admits that the Republicans lost, he will not engage and will not debate. Now, let's be let's be uh, really candid here. I don't think McEachin wants to debate this guy at all. But this is kind of a cute way. This is kind of a cute way to get out of debates and make it look like the other guy's fault and to make the whole January 6th issue something that really doesn't um, play directly into McEachin's re-election, but it does make it front page news in his district and gives him a reason to bring it all up. Apparently, uh, Leon Benjamin has the has photos of him attending the rally and the run up to January 6th. But I had to I have to give some belated, you know, I am a strong Republican, strong conservative, but I got to give a chuckle and a little bit of a high five on a creative way to get out of debates like Don McEachin has, to say that I'm not going to debate somebody who doesn't acknowledge that he got whipped two years ago. Oh, and by the way, that Biden's president. And there hasn't been any response that I saw in the media from Leon Benjamin. But I, I do have to say that's kind of brilliant. We have a hot race going on down in Virginia in the 2nd Congressional District. And it is kind of interesting because the two have taken very different tacts, at least in terms of media. The incumbent Elaine Luria is peppering TV and digital with 30-second professionally produced ads. And, uh, and Jen Kiggins, the Republican, did that in the primary. She had professionally produced TV ads. But here in the summer, I'm seeing a lot of different things from Jen Kiggins than just Elaine running produced TV spots. What Jen Kiggins doing, it's a lot more social media. It's a lot more, uh, she's doing video podcasts. She's doing long radio interviews. Um, she's really getting into the nitty gritty as far as issues. Nothing like 30 second spots, but what she's doing that I've been seeing is a lot of self-made Facebook videos, Facebook lives. If she's out knocking doors or, or doing neighborhoods, she'll do a quick video and send it out. Very personable. And really making Jen Kiggins look like the local person 
who's campaigning locally, who's knocking on doors, while Elaine Luria is up in Washington, D.C., raising a bunch of money and and running these expensive 30-second TV ads. And it's kind of like a uh, Rose Garden strategy versus grassroots, which is really playing well in the summer. Of course, we're a long way before anybody can cast a vote, about a month away from early voting and uh, about 90 or so days until the November elections. But it's interesting seeing the two tacks because we're really seeing a lot from Kiggins on the ground with grassroots style media and the two haven't really engaged they've they've thrown a few press releases that nobody covers at each other but they really haven't gone head to head yet but it's interesting to see that obviously Loria is going to have plenty of money and she's spending a lot of it on TV time and it's interesting to see and it's interesting to see Jen Kiggins taking the door-to-door grassroots and personalized video strategy along with radio interviews podcast interviews Really long-form kinds of conversations that aren't just 30-second snippets. Of course, we'll be following that race and many others as we go along. But I just wanted to touch base with you because I saw that article trying to convince everybody that the race for Congress is close. It's not. And many of these districts are going to be well off to finishing off in the Republicans' favor long before we get to November. I don't think the media wants that story out. It's either that or they don't know how to read a poll. I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt that they're not dumb. They just have an agenda. And that's it for this week with Right Way Politics. I'm Brian Kerwin. Great to chat with you. And we hope you find your way to Right Way Politics.